0: Well, good morning and welcome. It's good to see everybody, see some that we haven't seen in a little while. Glad you're doing better, feeling healthy and that. Um, So, did David say he forgot his phone at home this morning? I wonder if he's going through hashtag struggles right now. If you don't know what that means, go back and listen to the last five weeks of messages and you will understand. <laughs> but this had to do with the series that we just finished. But this morning, we're starting a brand new series. The series is called Something More. Something More. And the title comes from that feeling, I think, that we all get it from time to time. And we can all identify with it at some point in our lives. That we're going through life and just there's a sense that there must be more. There's something more. There's something missing there's something that I should be experiencing that I should have. There's, there's just something missing in my life. Um, uh, there's Something's missing, you know, in my life as I'm currently living it. You know, it, it, it falls short of what it should be. There's got to be more than this. And I think most of us feel that way at one point or another. Could be the life has just taken its toll and, and you've settled into a rut, you know, every, every day it's just the same old, same old and You know, life gets boring, and it can happen in any area of our lives. You know, it can happen, uh, sometimes it happens in our jobs or our careers, and, you know, when it does, we can, you know, we can take steps to change that. We can, you know, look for a new job with more opportunities and more challenges, or we can go back to school and and take classes and just make a whole new career change, you know, if we want. Um, But what about when it happens in our spiritual lives? It's. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you're in a spiritual rut? I think if we're honest, anyone that's been a Christian for any length of time would probably say that, yeah, I've gone through times like that. And maybe you're in a time like that right now. You know, it's it's not something that we plan on happening. It's not something that, that comes on suddenly. It's kind of a gradual thing. We don't even realize it's happening. We just wake up one day, and we look around and we wondered, how did I get here? Something's missing. What is it? There must be more than this. As I was thinking about this and working on this message, I thought about John chapter 10 verse 10. You know, we've looked at that verse a lot, but this time I began to look at it and think about it in a little different light than I had before. Let's look at it with me. In John 10:10, 10, 10, Jesus says, "The thief comes only to steal, kill." and destroy. And let's just pause right there a minute. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've looked at this verse often. I've thought about this verse a lot. I've taught on this verse. And generally when I think of this, I come to this, and yeah, the enemy's here, to he's to steal and to kill and destroy. And I think of the enemy coming and, and doing that by hitting us with big things. You know, he's trying to take us out. He's trying to, you know, maybe he's, you know, we think about it. He, he's going after those that are close to me, those that are my family. He's going after, um, you know, my, my, my spouse or my kids and my marriage. And, 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 you know, or maybe he's going after my health. Or, or, you know, maybe we think of it as, you know, he's going after our, our, our finances. Or he's trying to trap us in a, in a moral failure. Or, you know, th- and those are all definitely weapons in his arsenal. Those are all, you know, big guns in his arsenal. But sometimes I think he works in a more subtle stealth mode. Kind of like termites slowly and quietly eating away at the wood framing of your house. You don't even realize it's happening until one day you walk through the house and your foot falls through the floor. It's a wake-up call, isn't it, Josh? Only it was our house, <laughs> and, and but but you know it's it's subtle, you know, or or maybe he throws you know little aggravations at us that just whittle away our nerves, and 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 you know then our, our you know our nerves are always on edge, and our our um, um, relationships start deteriorating, or or maybe he just gets us so busy that we're just tired all the time. He sends little things that take the joy out of our lives to where we're just drudging along and, you know, day by day, bored with life. You know, if the enemy can rob us of joy, he's robbed us of the anticipation and expectation and adventure that comes with following Jesus. It comes to steal, kill and destroy. But a lot of times he does it subtly through little things. Then second part of that verse. Jesus said, I have come. They may have life. And have it to the full. You know, if Jesus said that he came, that we could have life, and that we can have it to the full, I want to tell you something. That's what I want. I want it. I want that full life. I want everything that Jesus has for me. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture today that is very special, very personal to me. Psalm 42. I've referenced it a number of times, but I want to tell you why this morning. Lisa and I moved back to Bloomington. We had graduated school here, moved away for seven years, and came back. And we, we, we moved back to Bloomington in October of 86 to join the staff of this church. And uh, it was a time of a lot of transition for me. A lot of stuff was going on. And you know, I was young. I was brand new to the Vineyard Movement. I'd never heard of the Vineyard Movement before I started, you know, connecting with with this this church, um, and there was just so much to learn. You know, the Vineyard's philosophy of ministry was totally new to me, and I was exposed to a whole new model of ministry, and I loved it. You know, all of a sudden, it wasn't just, you know, the what I was used to with the the, the guy up front on the, on the stage, you know, he's doing all the ministry and there's long ministry lines and all that. Now there were ministry teams as everybody got to play. Everybody got to do, you know, do the work of the ministry. And, you know, it's all about that. And, and, and I loved what I saw. But at the same time, in some ways, I felt like at times I was on the outside looking in. I mean, I loved watching the Holy Spirit show up when people prayed, come Holy Spirit. That was new to me. And seeing God actually show up and and begin to minister to people visibly. I loved watching that. But I had a big question in my mind. Would he do it for me? Did the everybody gets to play... Did that part of this whole thing, did it really include me or was it just everyone else? I mean, looking back, I see the enemy was playing on my insecurities and he was trying to derail some things that, that, you know, what God was wanting to do in my life. But I was hungry. I was hungry for more. I was thirsty for more. And then in February of 87, just four months after moving here, Five of us from the church flew out to the Anaheim Vineyard for a week-long Signs and Wonders conference with John Wimber. It's, he had developed it during his, his, his uh, uh, time of teaching a, a class at Fuller Seminary. Charlie and Brenda Seitz were, you know, and, 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 and myself, and there were uh, two others from the church that flew out to Anaheim for this conference. Um, amazing trip. I mean, it, it was amazing. It was life changing i never experienced anything before that in my life. But when I went out there, I had all these questions and all these things that I was dealing with, and I was so hungry and I was so thirsty for more. I wanted more. My prayer for that whole week was from Psalm 42. My prayer that entire week out there Going out there and being out there was as the stream pants for as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet God? I had a longing for more. I had a thirsting for more. I prayed that all week long. I knew there was something more that, you know, than what I had been experiencing before and I wanted it. I didn't care what it took. I didn't care what the cost was. I just wanted it. I was like that thirsty deer in Psalm 42 just longing after the water, to the the streams of water, the water brooks, just, you know, panting after the the water brooks, you know, just looking for a cool drink of water, looking for a stream. I was so thirsty spiritually for more. So Psalm 42 is my prayer all week, and it was an amazing week. I mean, worship like I had never heard it before. Probably a couple thousand people, you know, passionately singing their hearts out to God. and, And you know, the thing is, the songs we sang, they weren't just songs about me, or they weren't just songs about God. We sang to God. Songs of worship to him, songs of intimacy with him, songs of pouring out our hearts and in, in, in love to him. I mean, there was a quality, there was something about the songs. They, they were fresh, they were new. They weren't the, you know, 20-year-old songs that, 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 you know, I, I was used to singing. These things were fresh, they were new. They reflected what God was doing in the church today, then, and... Um, It was amazing. I mean, since then, there's been, you know, but, well, the thing is, that was so new because that started really with the vineyard. The vineyard was known for its songs of intimacy. Vineyard was known, I mean, you could tell, pick a vineyard song like that just because of the 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 type of song it was. Since then, there's been so many other groups. You know, you've got Bethel and Hillsong and Passion, and you know, and and that that have come out with songs similar to that—songs to God and songs of of worship and intimacy with God. But at the time it was unique to the Vineyard, and it was a breath of fresh air. Then Wimber got up and he taught on the proclamation and demonstration of the Kingdom of God. Both. He's, you know, the, that were to proclaim the kingdom of God and then demonstrate it. And that's the model that Jesus used. That's what he did. He proclaimed the kingdom of God is here. It's among you. It's at hand. And then he demonstrated the power of the kingdom, uh, the rule and the reign of God in setting people free from diseases and demonic forces and, 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 and oppression. It was my first ever experience with something like that. And the thing is, it was all done without any hype. There wasn't any hype. I mean, Wimber is, is one of the key values of the vineyard, is being naturally supernatural, doing this without hype. You know, and, and Wimber was known for that. Uh he would, he, he would be asked, you know, how do you prepare for a conference? How do you know? Because, you know, some people would, you know, they'd get in a room and pray for six hours and, and that. And Wimber's classic answer, how do you prepare to, 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 for a conference to teach and minister well, Let's go back and drink a Diet Coke. You know? I mean, it was, there, there wasn't any buildup of hype. It was just naturally supernatural. So anyway, amazing week. You know, saw things I never thought I'd see before. Just amazing week, and then came the last day of the conference, Saturday, February fourteenth, nineteen eighty-seven, Valentine's Day. I responded to Wimber's message. I, I, you know, I, I've been praying Psalm forty-two all week. I responded to his message. I can't tell you, like, I, don't even remember uh, what the the uh, altar call was for. You know, for people to come up every time. You know, they have session. They have people come up for prayer. And that that need prayer for whatever and I can't remember what it was for but I went up and I you know assumed the position you know you need do that prayer. Right? <laughs> and I, I went up and I got I went for prayer and that and I got prayer and I don't remember what the call prayer was for I don't remember what the guy you know the the, the people prayed for me was and you know I, I don't remember any of that but I remembered what happened afterwards clear as a bell they're done praying for me, I turn around, start to go to my seat, back to my seat, this young man, probably 20-ish, maybe a couple years younger, a couple years older, young kid, I was all of 30 at the time, but, but, you know, he, he, he turns, and, 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 you know, he comes over to me, and he just said, you know, for some reason, I, I don't understand it. Uh, maybe you will, but um, for some reason, I just feel like the Lord said to give you Psalm 42. I got chills as I'm saying it. That may not seem like a big deal to some of you, but it was to me. Because in that moment, it, that, that was everything. In that moment. See, nobody knew nobody knew, there wasn't one person that knew that that's what my prayer was. I didn't say it to anybody, not before we left, not not the whole week there. I didn't say it to anybody. So when he told me that, it was God telling me, I heard your prayer and I've answered you. It was significant enough. I've got the date written right here in my Bible. Signs and Wonders Conference 21487. I've only done that one or two times in any of the Bibles. It's the beginning of a new season in my life, a season of more. And yes, I've gone through times where I've felt like, again, where I felt like there must be more. And I've also gone through times where I've cried out to God and thirsting for Him. And He's met me and He's answered me. But that's why that psalm is so significant in my life. We all go through times where we just feel like there must be more. Those times when the Lord is... Those are times when the Lord is giving us an invitation. He's, he's, He's letting us cultivate a spiritual thirst for more of Him. And He's giving us an invitation then to come to Him and to come into His presence and to experience more. So how do we do that? How do we experience the something more that God has for each one of us? That's what I want to talk about this morning. First off, the journey begins with a spiritual thirst. That's where it all begins. That's where it all starts. Verse 2, the psalmist says, I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? See, the psalmist was thirsty for the presence of God. He longed for it in his heart. God doesn't force himself on anyone. He wants us to want him. He doesn't come and say, okay, now you're going to enter in my presence, whether you like it or not. You're going to come and you're going to sit down and you're going to want me in your life. You're gonna, he doesn't force himself on anybody. He wants us to come to him, to, 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 to want to come to him. But to say, and, and at the same time, he loves to respond to spiritual thirst. He loves to respond to it. When a tr- person truly becomes thirsty, that thirst increases the longer they go without water. OK, the longer they go without water, that thirst increases. And it's and and the thirstier the person becomes, the more focused they are on finding water and the more everything else just becomes secondary. Forget everything else. I'm going to find a drink of water. I'm so thirsty. I am parched. I'm going to die if I don't get water. I mean, that's that's what it's like if someone is truly thirsty. It's the same way with spiritual thirst. It increases. It increases more and becomes more and more our focus until nothing else really matters except experience the presence of God and and drinking in from His Spirit. Spiritual thirst. It begins with that. It begins with that strong desire. God, I want You. I want You above everything else. I want to be in Your presence. I need You. It's a longing after God's presence. Second, When you've got that spiritual thirst, begin to pour out your heart to God. Make it a habit to begin to pour out your heart to God. Verse 4, he says, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. He's thinking back to former days when he he enjoyed the presence of God, former days when he was experiencing more, when he was experiencing the fullness of everything God had had for him. He's thinking back to what it used to be like, and his heart's breaking. The Christian Standard Bible says, I remember this as I pour out my heart. He's pouring out his heart, remembering this. He's getting what he's doing is he's getting real before God. He's thinking of that way that it used to be between him and God. And you know, ever have those feelings? Ever reach a point in your life where you think, Man, I remember when I was a brand new Christian, or I remember when this happened, and I was, I couldn't get enough of God's presence. I could, you know, I I was so hungry for him, I was so thirsty for him, just wanted more and more and more. Used to be that, used to be that he was tight with God. He would lead the way to God's house in the procession. He would lead the way. He'd be the first in line to, to go. His heart was, was, was filled with celebration and joy and anticipation and shouts of thanksgiving but now it wasn't like that now he wasn't feeling that something was missing the joy was gone discouragement had set in he was pouring out his heart to god and being brutally honest he wasn't putting on a plastic smile and 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 you know pretending that everything was okay he laid his heart out before god and told him this is what i'm feeling and the thing is he felt safe enough to do that he didn't feel like he had to put on a, 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 a false mask for, with, with God. God. God knows anyway. See, we don't have to fear being honest with God. We can admit, we can tell him when we feel discouraged. We can tell him when we're struggling. See, unless we're willing to be honest with what's really going on in our hearts, We'll never be able to truly draw close to God. There will always be a distance between us. Always be a twist distance between us and God. And the, dis- the distance is the distance between reality and the mask that we're wearing. The pretense that we're living. C.S. Lewis said, we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. The psalmist's heart was breaking as he remembered what it used to be like. And then he says, in verse, in verse 6, he says, Now I am deeply discouraged. And in verse 9, Oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you, forsake, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? I mean, he's being gut-level honest. He pours out his heart and tells God what he's feeling. But then he does something. He directs his mind and his heart to remember the faithfulness of God. And that's number three. Pour out your heart and then remember the faithfulness of God. I want to read the, the whole passage of verse 4 to 8. I'm reading from the NLT. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. And then look at what he says in verse 5. He says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? And then he makes a decision. He says, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I'm deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of, of Mount Mizar, I heard the, 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 the tumult of the raging seas, as your waves and surging tides swept over me. But each day, the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and th- through each night, I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. He has an epiphany of sorts. He calls to mind the faithfulness of God and that's where he directs his heart. That's where he directs his hope. See, after you pour out your heart to God, remind yourself of God's faithfulness. It's okay to take an honest look and to be, you know, upfront with God. We need to be upfront. It's okay to take that honest look at our life and our situation and say this stinks. This is hard. I'm not doing well. God, I'm discouraged. But the thing is, you don't want to stay in that place, and you don't have to stay in that place. Instead, remind yourself that there is a God who is faithful. He was faithful in the past, he'll be faithful in the future, and he's faithful right now. It's who he is. He can't deny himself. He can't be anything but faithful. Do you want to live a life that, to its fullest, like Jesus spoke about in John 10, 10, the light that he, 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 he said he came to give us, then don't dwell in what the enemy's doing when he tries to steal, kill, and destroy. You can acknowledge on it. You can say, hey, God, this is happening. But don't dwell there. Don't stay there. Instead, go after God with all that's in you. Pour out your heart to him and remember and focus on God's faithfulness. And then the fourth thing, Shut out discouraging voices. Just cut them out. Shut out discouraging voices. Let me say it again. Shut out discouraging voices. A lot of times we give too much space to them in our minds. It's like we rent out a place in our head and hold it open for them, we allow them to take up residence. There will always be people that try to drag you down and discourage you. Always. Some people, it's their mission in life is to try to discourage you. Everything's negative. It's like you you talk to them and just any life that's in you just gets sucked out. The psalmist said in verse 10, Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this where is this god of yours There will always be those that discourage There will always be those that scoff and mock and ridicule When you hear that shut it out Don't listen to it God never sends discouragement Scoffing, Mocking is never of God. And if we don't shut it out, it will tear us down. Listen, red flags go up whenever I hear someone mocking, mocking anything, whether it's what God is doing or anything else. I remember specifically a, a, a situation years ago when we were, it was before Harmony School when we were out on East 3rd Street. In, in, in the building there, and I was I was talking to somebody, and they just had a mocking spirit of just joking around about something mocking. And I remember the Lord speaking to me and say, "Beware of this. Beware of that spirit. See, with person with a critical or mocking spirit, will never live the life of fullness that Jesus has for them." If we don't shut it out and don't shut out the discouraging voices, one or two things, one of two things will happen. It'll either begin to cause discouragement and death to what God is doing in our life, or it will suck us in to where we begin to agree with it and participate in it, and ultimately it will drag us down to that level. Another way discouraging voices try to work is by telling us um, uh, what what we can't do oh you can't do that you could never do that and 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 rather than encouraging us in what god has called us to do another way they come in is they bring shame and they bring guilt when those voices come we need to shut them out and to turn our eyes our ears and our heart to the lord in 1 Samuel 30, David's men were upset with him, and they spoke of stoning him. I mean, they were really upset because they'd been out doing this stuff, and while they were gone, some, some raiders came in and, and, and raided their camp and took off all their, their wives and their kids. And they got back to camp. Everything's missing. Their families are missing, and they were talking about stoning David. But in verse 6, says that David encouraged himself in the Lord as God. He encouraged himself. We need to learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Learn how to do that. Psalm 42, verses 5 to 8. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so so, so sad? I'm going to put my hope in God. I will praise Him again. My Savior and my God. And then in verse 8. Each day the Lord pours out his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. He's encouraging himself in the Lord. He says something similar in, verse, in Psalm 103, verse 1, with my whole heart, with my whole life, and with my innermost being, I bow in wonder and love before you, holy God. And then in Psalm 42 again, a a, a second time, after he says this this in verse 5, he says it in verse 11, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? He turns his heart toward God then and he says, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. And he not only does this two times, he does it three times. Most commentators believe that Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 were originally one unit, one poem, one psalm. Somewhere along the line they got divided, I don't know how. But, so, but most commentators believe that you know, it, it was Psalm 42 and 43 were originally one unit, a single psalm. And in Psalm 43, verse 5, he repeats the same thing. Now, for the third time. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Three times saying the same thing and then answers with the same thing. If something's missing in your life, if you have that sense of there's got to be more, there must be more your walk with God, you're wanting more. You want to live that life to the full that Jesus talked about in John 10:10. 10, 10. Cultivate a thirst for His presence. Begin to cultivate thirst for His presence, and then begin to, and begin to pour out your heart to Him. pour out your heart to Him more and more. Open up, be honest, let him know what you're feeling. and then remind yourself of God's faithfulness. How he's been faithful in the past. Because he's the same God. He's still faithful today. Look throughout the scriptures in times of how he's been faithful. But remind yourself, God is a faithful God. It's who he is. He can't not be faithful. And when mocking and discouraging voices come, shut them out. press into God's presence and what you know to be true. Could I have the worship team come up? While they're coming, I want to pray. And if this reflects your heart, then just in your heart and in your spirit say, yes, Lord, that's me. I want that. Lord, as the deer pants for the streams of water, my soul pants for you, O God. I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. Lord, we're hungry for you. We're thirsty for you. We're longing for your presence. We're longing to drink from that living water. That's our desire, Lord. That's what we want. Our tears have been our food day and night while people say to us, Where is your God? I remember these things, Lord. We remember them as we, pour out our, as, as we pour out our soul. We remember what it used to be like. As we would come to your house so full of joy and so full of anticipation. We'd walk down the road with you and, and we'd be in your presence at home. And, and Lord, life was so full and so rich and so joyful. Your love was so real. Your mercy, oh Lord, it was new every morning. But Lord, it still is. And you're still faithful. And you still pour out your grace. And you still pour out your mercy. Lord, we put our hope in you. We will praise you. You are our Savior. You are our God, and we will praise you. When we're discouraged, when we're downcast, we'll remember you and remember your faithfulness. Lord, we're thirsty, and we want you. So pour out your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring us the living water. We desire that more than anything, more than anything else. There's nothing like it. Come, Holy Spirit. those who are discouraged, those who are struggling, come and lift them up. Lift them up. Encourage them with your presence. Open their eyes. Give them hope. Hope in their hearts. Restore the joy of salvation to them. Lord, we're not going to listen to the voices that would detract and discourage anymore. Help us to put a guard on our ears that we just pay them no attention anymore. Keep our eyes focused on you and on your faithfulness, on your goodness. Lord, we don't want to focus on what the enemy is doing and trying to steal, kill, and destroy we long for that full life that you said you came to bring us. And since you came to bring it to us, Lord, that we might have it, that abundant life, that full life, then we ask for it. We say we want it. So answer the hunger and the thirst that's inside of us for more of you and more of your presence. Answer that now. And start us on a journey now of adventure, of joy, of new things in you. Open our eyes to see the wonder. The wonder of your presence, the wonder of the cross, the wonder of the resurrection. The wonder of the truth that you've come to live in each and every one of us believers. We rejoice in the fact, Lord, that you've taken our sin and thrown it in the sea of forgetfulness. You choose to remember it no more. We thank you, God, that that is a work of grace that we access through faith. Holy Spirit, Come and reveal Jesus to us in a way that we've it's greater than we've ever known before, Lord. Greater than we've ever known. We want to see Jesus. We want to drink the living water. In Jesus' name. Amen.